Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Jacob and Lawrence. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jdella. And while you're over there on Twitter, go ahead and follow the nice folks over at Believe. You know, the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? And their handle on Twitter is real simple, at Believe Podcast. Nice, simple, easy, straightforward. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. And then podcast, all one word, baby. Nice, simple, easy, and concise. Just how this show's going to be. Simple, easy, and concise, and straight to the point. Honest and raw with our opinions here. And like I said on my little teaser, my little trailer, my little comeback episode, if you will, things are going to be slightly different around here. We're going to start having more guests in. Got a few Lady Husky former players lined up. Get some UConn greats in here to talk about things. Talk about how it was like during their time in stores and the perception of the program. Because trust me, when I say I went back and tried to find some players, oh, I got some players from the early days. I got some from the middle, from the win. We got a little bit of everything. So those are going to be some great interviews that are coming forward. And you know what? I might even pull a few players from the outside. You know, a couple rivals of Connecticut are people who are at UConn during the time and get their perspective from a different angle. As I told you from episode one, this is an inclusive podcast. I want it to be about you guys as much as it's about me. I want to hit this from all angles. I want to talk about any and everything UConn. So that's what I plan to do. So like I said, new show format. Not a new show. Still the same show. It's a new show. We're going to do things. Wow, I just said it again. <laughs> it's a new show, new show format. Ooh, but All right, we're going to have a little fun with this one. We're going to keep all this in, let it run. You know, I'm just shaking off, you know, got to get my jumper back. You know, I'm trying to pull up from three when I need to start by the rim, hit a couple layups, step out, hit a couple little jumpers, hit a few foul shots, step back, hit another one, hit one from the elbow, and then shoot the three. So that's what we're going to do. Every episode, like I said, we're dropping twice a week now, Wednesdays and Mondays. Every episode, before I get into the bulk of things, I just want to stop, take a look at things, address the Lady Huskies and their ranking and the poll. A little bracketology talk, you know, just set the table a little bit, and then we're going to get into the topic at hand. And for this episode, it's a two-for-one special. I'm going to briefly address the Tennessee game because I feel like it's only right that I dropped off previewing Tennessee, that we come back, we address Tennessee, and then we kind of do a state of the union. How are the Lady Huskies looking as a whole? Yes, in that state of the union, I will slightly, quickly touch on Oregon and South Carolina and how that plays into where they are right now, but don't worry, come Monday, you're going to get an Oregon-South Carolina dedicated episode, because those two games share a lot in common, and they kind of hold the key to Connecticut's success and potential failure moving forward, so you'll get that on Monday, but right now, we're just going to go ahead and break down the Connecticut Lady Huskies standing in the polls. For the second week in a row, Lady Huskies are number six in the country. Ooh, boy, number six, man. That is real tough for me to say. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but number six in the country. It's the first time in a long time that this team has been outside the top five 
And on top of that, outside the top five in consecutive weeks. When I say it's been a long time, it has been since February 5th, 2007. I was still a senior in high school the last time that the UConn Lady Huskies were outside of the top five. It has been roughly almost 5,000 days, which is incredibly impressive. And during that 5,000-day run of being in the top five, they had a streak of 253 consecutive weeks at number one. And that, 253 consecutive weeks of not in the top 15, not in the top 10, not in the top five, not in the top three, but the number one team in the country, that is impressive in of itself. And, of course, during that time frame, a lot of that was during the undefeated runs, the 100-plus wins. So, of course, when you're going on runs like that and setting records and history like that, you're going to set something like that with the polls just because if I hadn't lost a game in three years, how do you put somebody else above me? So that's still impressive because it blows out Louisiana Tech. They're number two with 96 weeks in the row as number one, which is impressive in of itself, but 253 and 4,760 consecutive days in the top five, that's impressive. So it's like, all right, cool. You're no longer a top five team now. And I'm using quotes around top five. You're number six. Depending upon who you ask, a lot of teams are like, yeah, Connecticut should still be in the top five. Yes, they had two losses to Oregon and to South Carolina. But how many more teams are really that much better than Connecticut? Are there really five teams better currently? The polls say yes. A lot of analysts and critics, they beg to differ. But nonetheless, polls say we're six, so we're going to be number six. But being number six, that still keeps a bunch of our other streaks alive. We've been in the top 10 since March of 2005. We've been in the top 20 since November of 1993. And we've been in the top 25 for at least one week since 1989-1990 season. I, I don't, you know what, that is the textbook definition of dominance, of a dynasty, of excellence, of all the words that you want to use to describe greatness and consistency. That is an example of it. That's just how impressive a program that Coach Oriema has built at Connecticut. We're top 20 since 1993. In 30 years, basically, you've been... In the top 20. That's impressive, man. Because you got to think of all the turnover, all the conference realignment, all the changes, the evolution of the game, the competition level increasing, there being more challengers, teams getting programs. Everything, a lot can change in those 20 plus, almost 30 years. And for you to still be like, hey, we're still a top 20 team. And even more so since 2005, like, we're still top 10, baby. We're still one of the 10 best out of 110-plus teams in Division I women's basketball. We're still one of the 10 best. That's just impressive. So that's a nod to Coach Oriema and his staff and what he has built at Connecticut. So it's like, all right, number six, cool. We'll take it. Because to be honest, it doesn't matter. If you're number six right now, it does not matter because in about two weeks, three weeks when Selection Sunday rolls around, 
it all goes out the window. That's not what we're concerned about being number six. What we're really concerned about is where do we land in the projected brackets? When those brackets are unveiled, where are we? Are we a top? Are we a number one seed? It's not likely right now. You're going to need somebody like South Carolina, Baylor, Oregon, Stanford, Maryland. You're going to need one of them to slip up and slip up drastically. So, okay, that's cool. But what is important is if we get a two seed, where do we lie? What region do we end up in? Are we in Greenville? Are we in Dallas? Are we in Fort Wayne? Are we in Portland? Because if we end up in Greenville as the two seed, cool. We get to play in stores. We get to play at home for a couple of games. You know, it looks kind of good. All right, you get a couple at home, boom, boom. But then you got to head down to Greenville. And Greenville is going to be the region to house the number one overall seed, which many experts and analysts are projecting South Carolina to be. So if you look at that, right now there's a bracketology that was just recently updated. Matter of fact, today, this morning, which is the 25th as I'm recording this, it includes South Carolina, Florida State, Arizona, Kentucky, NC State, Central Michigan, and UConn. Those are the top seven seeds. And honestly, you can kind of cut it off at six. No offense to Central Michigan, who is currently a projected seven seed. If you're looking at a region that has South Carolina and Connecticut, those are your favorites to make it to the Elite Eight, to make it to the Greenville Regional Final. But you also have Florida State which has proven over the years they can hang with almost anybody in the country and they can knock off anybody in the country given the right time. You have Kentucky. They're sitting there like a little bit of a sleeping giant. They're like, all right, we're still good. Also, the real interesting bit here is North Carolina State is a projected three seed in this region. They were just a projected two seed a week ago until they lost this past week. So... If you get NC State, you see Connecticut, NC State, and a Sweet 16, that's a tough matchup for both sides. So, while number six overall in the coaches poll right now with three games left in the regular season, yeah, all right, whatever, cool. Streaks in, we get it. Records are made to be broken. We just like to break our own records. So, cool, if you want to leave us number six, doesn't matter. What Connecticut needs to do moving forward is handle the rest of the American Athletic Conference. You got three games left. I believe they're all on the road. You got to finish that up. You go into conference tournament play. You have to dominate like you've dominated. And you have to hope that a Baylor, a South Carolina, a Maryland, an Oregon, one of them, they trip up. Our Louisville, Northwestern, Stanford. You need teams like that to trip up because those are the number one projected seeds are South Carolina, Baylor. Oregon, and Maryland. Your projected two seeds are Northwestern, Louisville, Stanford, and Connecticut. Connecticut is the first number two seed, which for people that might not be familiar with the brackets, you're usually that first two seed is often considered the fifth number one seed. So they're like, yeah, you know what? You were almost a number one seed. So we can either do you a favor and put you with the fourth number one seed, the weakest one seed, or we can put you with the best. Most times, that two seed gets stuck with the best. And that would be Connecticut, South Carolina, 
setting up an Elite Eight matchup of a game that did not go Connecticut's way. And I'll talk about that on another episode and exactly why it didn't go the Lady Huskies' way. So, you got to hope that Oregon... Oregon is probably the best bet to strip up running through the Pac-12 because you have Stanford, you have Oregon State. Those are two teams that has played Oregon tough this season and can knock off Oregon on any given night. So you're like, all right, let's hope Stanford comes through, beats Oregon, and then they trip up. That can potentially slide Connecticut up to a one seed. And if that does happen, then the question becomes, where do the Lady Huskies go? Because you have Greenville, you have Dallas, you have Portland, you have Fort Wayne. Those are your four regions. You want to keep your one seed as close to home as possible. However, South Carolina holds still, Baylor holds still, and Maryland holds still. You're going to put South Carolina in Greenville. It's home. No one overall seed, keep them close to home. You earned it. Dallas, Baylor, Waco, it's only a few-hour drive north. You earned it. You're the second one seed. You're going to stay close to home. Maryland, Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana. You go to Maryland, not too far of a stretch, close to home. If Connecticut becomes a one seed, they will have to head out west. I just There's no way I don't see Connecticut as a one seed not going to Portland, to the Portland region, if Connecticut makes it to a one seed. Because unless Maryland, unless Maryland, I'm sorry, slips up badly, then you can be like, all right, cool. Maryland slipped up and got themselves knocked out of the conference tournament early. And then Oregon didn't look that impressive when they won the Pac-12 tournament. But you know what? We're going to reward Oregon for their regular season body of work for knocking off Connecticut, for beating the Stanfords. So you guys get to stay at home. Connecticut, you get to go to Fort Wayne. That's your best case scenario for the Lady Huskies if they end up as a one seed. Otherwise, it's either you're a one seed out west in Portland or you're a two seed, and then it becomes, all right, where do we seed you as a number two? If we seed you in Greenville, then you get to play a couple games in stores before you have to move on and eventually make your way to Greenville. If we seed you as a two in the Dallas Regional, with, I'm sorry, the Dallas region, with Baylor as a one seed, you get to play a couple games in California out of Stanford. All right, that's not best. We're still going west. Cool. You get Louisville. You get Evanston. And honestly, actually, I'm sorry. I just misspoke on all of that. All of these seedings for the regions, unless they've changed it recently, is based upon the higher seed out of those four teams. So more or less... Connecticut could stay the two seed. You get stores. It becomes more so what region are you in? Who do you not want to see? Do you not want to see South Carolina? Do you not want to see Kentucky, NC State, Florida State, potentially Arizona, potentially? Like, is that what you, is that the region you want to be in? Or do you want to be in a region that has Stanford? I'm sorry. There would be no Connecticut Stanford because Stanford would have to go somewhere else. So do you want to be with Baylor? Do you want to see potentially a Texas A&M, an Iowa, maybe a Tennessee matchup if Tennessee can handle their business? You can maybe see Tennessee the way Dallas is currently set up right now. And this is the Bracketology uh, projection on ESPN.com. If you want to go take a look at it, kind of get a glimpse and visually see what I'm talking about. 
It's right there. If you end up in the Portland region, all right, potentially you could have maybe you see DePaul again, which was a trap that almost worked coming off of the Notre Dame game. I talked about that. Go back and listen to that episode. Maybe you potentially see Texas. You see Vatek. Mississippi State is a whew, that is a tough team to beat when Mississippi State is on. Don't let them being a potential three seed right now fool you. They are one of the better teams in college basketball. Maybe you see LSU or Ohio State if they can get past Oregon potentially. So you're like, all right, Portland region. Yeah, maybe I want to go. Maybe I want to go to the Portland region because okay, cool. You know what? I can kind of handle everybody until I run into Portland. I don't have as many bullets to dodge. If you go to Fort Wayne, let's assume that Louisville is out of that bracket as a two seed. Let's say they end up in Portland or they end up in Greenville. Then you potentially got Michigan, South Dakota, teams you should handle, no problem. Might see a Gonzaga. Nah, you shouldn't have too much of a concern and worry with them. Then you just have Maryland and UCLA, really. You should handle UCLA, and Maryland is a team that does not create the same issues as some of the other teams that you played this year and have lost to create. So you should feel a little more confident. The one region that I don't want to end up in, if I'm sitting here and I'm being completely honest, is Greenville as it is currently constructed. NC State was just a two seed a week ago. So now they're projecting a three seed. That would create a... Sweet 16 matchup. I'm sorry, that would create, yeah, that would create a Sweet 16. Because you got round of 64, 32, and then 16, yes. That'd be a Sweet 16 matchup. Potentially, you see Kentucky in the Sweet 16. You could potentially see Florida State, Arizona, South Carolina. I'm sorry, yeah, you could potentially see South Carolina, Florida State, Arizona, or Rutgers, Florida Gulf Coast. You can see them. In the Elite Eight. Again, I said Florida State is a team that can knock off anybody on any given night. Those girls come to play. I've seen them in person this season. They are here to play. They do not play any games. They have their moments, just like a lot of teams in this bracket have their moments where they're not there. But any given night, you don't necessarily want to see a Florida State. Arizona seems like a team that can be a threat. And then let's just say that everything goes chalk. You get to the Elite Eight, it is a rematch with South Carolina. It's hard to beat a team twice in one season. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're Tulsa and we are Connecticut. It is hard to beat the same team twice in one season. Because the more you play somebody, the more you become familiar with their habits. If you play a team too much, you can become complacent and not be able to get up and be like, oh, we can handle them. We took their best shot. We played our worst and we still won. No, that is a thought, but in this, it becomes tournament. A lot of things are at stake. You're playing South Carolina in a de facto home game. That is the worst-case scenario for me. Of all the one seeds that scare me, South Carolina scares me the most. Baylor is probably second most that scares me because if you remember watching the Baylor game, that was a close game until the fourth quarter, until Connecticut went ice cold. There was about a five-minute stretch where the Huskies could not buy a shot, couldn't get a foul, couldn't hit a bucket, nothing. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And it was like, all right, cool. And then Baylor pulled away. Oregon, 
Oregon does not scare me as much as a lot of people look and see because if you sit back and watch the Oregon game, and I'm going to go into this in further detail for the Oregon episode, it was more so Connecticut just could hit at all. Like, they had the looks. They kept Sabrina Inescu from a triple-double. I think she was a couple rebounds or maybe an assist short. So you stopped the triple-double machine. You more or less contained the rest of Oregon around her with the exception of one other player. So it was just a night where nobody could hit a shot. Nobody stepped up except for, I believe, Megan Williams. Was She was going down swinging. She was going down her shield that day. But it was just an off night. It was a perfect storm. It was an off night. It allowed Oregon to get the victory and for it to look that decisive. Props to Oregon. However, yeah, we had a bad day at the office. Maryland, I'm not concerned about you at all. South Carolina scares me the most, and then Baylor. So that is how Connecticut is setting right now. Again, we got some time to see. We got a couple more weeks. You got to head into the conference tournaments where, like I said, anything can happen. Because all we know, Baylor can lay an egg, South Carolina can lay an egg. These things aren't likely, but they aren't possible. South Carolina really might have, next to Oregon, the toughest run of a conference champion to become a conference champion because you have Kentucky. You have Mississippi State. Those are two powerhouse teams. You have Tennessee that can hang with you if you don't put them away. So those are three teams right there. Yeah, they'll probably have to knock off one or the other going through it. But hey, it doesn't make easy pickings for you, South Carolina. And then Oregon, you got Stanford. You got Oregon State. You got UCLA. You got Arizona. You got Cal. It's a lot out there in the Pac-12. So, yes, those two teams could slip up, could fall off their one spot, or they could have done enough in the regular season to hold their spot. Only time will tell. Like I said, the Lady Huskies have three games left. We have Cincinnati. When this episode drops on the 26th, we have Cincinnati tonight. Then we have Houston again on the 29th in Houston. And then we close out at home against USF on the 2nd of March. So, there we go. It's a lot to see, a lot to shake out. Likely bet is that the Lady Huskies will end up as a two-seed going into the dance. The team has won a national title as a two-seed before. It's nothing, no pressure, nothing major. And to paraphrase Gino, what the hell does it matter what we're ranked? We're Connecticut. We have one job, we have one goal, and that's to get a national title. And that leads me into my next topic here, which, actually, you know what, let me go ahead and get this Tennessee game out of the way real quick before we go into the State of the Union address, the State of Connecticut basketball. So let's go ahead, just take a quick second, going to relax a little bit. Here's a brief little breather. Just chill. Here's five seconds of silence. All right, you guys ready to talk about Tennessee? Let's go ahead and talk about Tennessee. All right, so real quick with Tennessee. The game was played January 23rd. It was a national televised game. There was a lot of hype going into it. First time the teams had played each other in 13 years. And this game kind of showed a blueprint that Baylor kind of hinted at in their matchup against Connecticut. Connecticut has trouble with teams that are long and that have length. All of Tennessee's players are at least six foot four, if I'm not mistaken. There may be one or two that are about six feet or six two. 
So long, rangy, lanky teams give Connecticut issues because it clogs up lanes, makes passing difficult. And if your shots ain't falling, it's going to be a long day at the office. Tennessee came out, showed they weren't afraid of the moment, brought it to Connecticut. They went into the half with a three-point lead. Come out in the second half, Chino made his adjustments, changed up the defense a little bit. Makarot started hitting shots. Dangerfield was hitting. Griffin was hitting. It became a more team effort. They neutralized at length, got a couple of them in foul trouble, made Tennessee have to play a pace that they weren't comfortable with. And ended up with a 15-point win, 60-40. Tennessee only put up 14 points in the second half. Connecticut just smothered Tennessee. It became the controlled chaos that you're used to from seeing how Connecticut plays. And that basically more or less sums up the game. Gino did make the comments afterwards. It was like, yeah, it's a rivalry. It's not the same. Kind of missed Pat. And that was the whole thing about it was there's no Pat Summit. How does this still feel? Still felt like a rivalry. You could say that it didn't feel like one or that it's not the same. It still played like one. The fans still felt like it was one, treated like one. I'm happy that that rivalry is back. We have at least one more matchup next year where we can head down to Knoxville. Potentially, we can see each other in the tournament. Right now, we're in different regions, like I just discussed with Bracketology. However, depending on how conference tournaments shake out, we could see Tennessee. So just want to touch on that real quick, just so I can come full circle from where I last left you guys. And now, <clears throat> I feel like I need that uh, real presidential music right now. You know, just sound real presidential. Let me just straighten my tie here. <sighs> my fellow Yukon Nation members, my fellow supporters of the Lady Huskies, those that bleed blue like myself, welcome to the State of the Union. I know that you guys are not necessarily happy right now with how things are. We currently have three losses on the year. We have lost to Baylor in a home game. It just was not in stores. We have lost to Oregon at home at stores. And we have lost to South Carolina on the road. I know it's a little weird feeling to have three losses. However, on the bright side, we have beat Tennessee this year. <laughs> hey, in that losing streak and that rivalry, we have got our revenge on Notre Dame. Down year or not, I don't care. We still owe them a receipt. We delivered. So, all in all, plus we're still undefeated in American Athletic Conference play since we joined the league. So, there's the positives. The negatives are simple. This is a team that struggles with length. And this is a team with players that are having to step into the role of being a closer, of being a superstar, of being a big moment player. Before, you had Katie Lou, you had Collier. You had all these vets that were like, all right, need a big shot? I got you. Need a big stop? I can make this. Now, oh, Olivia Nelson, you got to step up. Megan Williams, you got to step up. Ladies, it's got to step up. It's step up time. This is what happens when you come to Connecticut and you put on the blue. You put on that navy blue, the white, the gray, the black jerseys. It becomes step-up time because at some point your number's going to get called. So Megan Walker, Olivia Nelson, Kristen Williams, you three, Crystal Dangerfield as well. You women are the backbone of this team. You have to step into these new roles. So it's just a matter of time. Going into this tournament right now, 
We got three regular season games left. I'm not too concerned with that. Handle business. You should escape. Actually, you shouldn't even escape. You should convincingly leave all three of those games with wins. Put very little doubt in people's mind heading into the conference tournament. You go into the conference tournament. You run through them again. And then you set yourself up for March Madness. And this, this is where things become interesting. Because now it becomes, okay, so what are we exactly? Who are we? This is a team that if their shots aren't falling, potentially can be in for a long night. If you need proof, go look at the fourth quarter against Baylor. Go look at the Oregon game. The whole entire game could not buy a shot. Like, if you go look at the shot shot from that, it is not pretty. So... Where are we sitting right now as Husky fans? Are we concerned? Are we panicking? Or are we overreacting to three losses, which is very unfamiliar territory for us? If you're a logical, reasonable fan, you have a bit of concern because, yeah, we have not looked good in a lot of these games. Even Memphis, there's a Memphis game early in the year where Connecticut won 68-56, but it took a fourth quarter blowout to separate things. So, yeah, this is a team that has flaws. Like Gino said going into the season, this isn't one of my traditional heavyweight teams. This is a team that has flaws. We have players that are stepping into roles that they're not used to, and it's going to be a process. And sure enough, this has been a process of a season. The end goal is still a national title. However... If we don't win one, will you consider this season a loss or a waste of a season? No, because looking at the past couple years, you were projected to win. This season, no. I don't think too many teams, too many analysts really were leaning toward Connecticut to win. I think it was more so the, you know what, you've been here forever. We're going to give you good odds. We'll say you're likely to win. Because it's kind of the Patriot effect. Like the New England Patriots in the NFL, yeah, you can look at the Patriots and be like, yeah, you know what? They can win the Super Bowl. It's a good chance because they're the Patriots, because they have Tom Brady, they have Belichick. Same thing applies to us. Yeah, Connecticut has a high chance. Yeah, they're going to be a top three team in the country all year, top four, at worst, top five, because they have Geno. They have such a standard. They built things so well. So it's like, all right, you know, cool. Yeah. All right, it's that. Now, if you watch the season, you've seen some things that you've liked, you've seen some things that you've loved, and you've seen some things that you're like, oh, my God, what is this? This is not Connecticut basketball that I know. So, it's, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough, but we got to relax, guys. we got to breathe. we got to understand that if it does not happen this year, that's okay. That's fine. It's all good. Because what happens now is the lessons that will be learned this year, they can apply to next year. Everybody comes back a year wiser, a year older, a year with extra experience. Because let's just look at this real quick. You're going to lose Adebayo. You're going to lose Molly Bent. You're going to lose Kamara. You're going to lose Crystal Dangerfield, which will hurt. You're going to lose Kyla Irwin. But other than that, you are still keeping Olivia Nelson-Odoto. 
Megan Walker stays. Kristen Williams stays. Those are three key players right there that stay. Anna Makarot is just a freshman. Aubrey Griffin, just a freshman. So they become better. And Megan Walker and Kristen Williams are already playing in big roles, respected roles, where you, leadership roles, where we count on you. So them, Walker becomes a senior, Williams becomes a junior. All right, now we're good. And on top of that, you're picking up Avina Westbrook as well, who the NCAA deemed that she was not eligible to play this year after transferring from Tennessee due to personal reasons, due to what, you know, some will call a mess of a program down at Tennessee, neither here nor there. Connecticut felt they provided ample documentation that everything was justifiable for her to play immediately. NCAA being the NCAA and being completely inconsistent on every and any ruling that they make was like, yeah, no. You know what? Here's your appeal and still a no. So nonetheless, you're getting firepower back. You're bringing in another top 10, top 5 recruiting class. But more importantly, you're keeping your core. Yes, losing Aubrey Griffin is going to hurt. Losing Crystal Dangerfield is going to hurt. I'm sorry, not losing Aubrey Griffin. Losing Crystal Dangerfield is going to hurt. Adebayo, yeah, that's going to hurt too. So you lose a couple key pieces, but you keep Olivia Nelson Ododo. You keep Megan Walker. You keep Kristen Williams. Makarot becomes a year older. She's just a freshman, and she can shoot the lights out at any given moment. Like, she had some key plays and some key moments in the games against Oregon, in the game against Tennessee, in the game against Baylor that either kept Connecticut in it or got Connecticut started on a trademark Connecticut run. So it's all right. So right now, looking at this team, looking at the bracketology projections like I talked about earlier, all right, we go in as the number two seed. Cool. The question becomes... What is the end goal? I said on the first episode of this podcast, the goal is to end the streak of not winning a national title, that we are looking for another national title. We need that national title. We want our title back. (sighs) The question is, is it feasible that this team gets the title? That is a tough question. Because right now, I don't think this is a team that can completely win a national title because teams that have length have been able to frustrate us to no end. Look at the first half against Tennessee. Watch the whole South Carolina game. Baylor's length was a little bit of a problem. Oregon, and I'm sorry, let me go look at the girls. Oregon, she just declared for the WNBA draft. Her, She's a stretch four. She's six foot four. She can put the ball on the ground. She just got into the paint at will. And on the flip side, she forced so many contested shots and ugly shots and turnovers that it was a struggle for Williams, for Dangerfield, for Walker to get into the paint and to be able to create like they normally do. So teams that have length bother us. And the problem is seeing South Carolina again, playing South Carolina that close to home, for South Carolina concerns me a little bit. So, I don't see this as a national title team. I would love nothing more than for this team to cut down the nets at the end of the tournament. And hey, we're champs, baby. Yeah. Give me my ring. Like, we're back on top. All is right in the world. However, 
I see this as a team that can make a run to the Elite Eight. Hang with South Carolina. Maybe knock off South Carolina and get to the Final Four. But I don't see this as a team making the national championship game. It hurts me to say that. It hurts me to say that we're not going to win a national title this year. But right now, I don't see it happening. This is a Elite Eight Final Four team at best. Things can change. I'm hoping things change. However, there's no need for panic. You just need to take a moment and realize how fortunate and blessed that we've been the past few years and that we play at such a high level that for us to fall to number six in the country is cause of concern and people panicking. That just tells you how long we've been great, how long we've been on top of the mountain. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. If you come at the king, you best not miss. They've come for the king. The king has faltered some. We are still the program in women's basketball. We're having a down year. It's a little bit of a slump. But like the Phoenix rose from the ashes, Connecticut is going to come back. And you're going to see the Connecticut team that blows everybody out by 20-plus. And when I say everybody, I mean the South Carolinas. I mean the Stanfords. I mean the Oregons. I mean the Maryland's. I mean the Florida State's. I mean all the powerhouses that you want to name will come to your house and will blow you out. So it's only a matter of time. Basketball is cyclical, just like any other sport. You have adjust. You have things that shake, which is why I said earlier the fact that this team since 1993 has been in the top 20 of every poll is impressive. Because that shows that you set a standard and you have been consistent. You've gotten better, but you have not regressed so far where you're still not one of the best. Top 10 since 2005. 15-year run. That's a lot of recruiting classes. That's a lot of turnover. So there's no need for panic. We just have to adjust our expectations, which is really weird for me to say and weird for me to do. But nonetheless... This is a team that will make at least an Elite Eight run. Final Four is really what I see. I can see the upset of South Carolina, but we're getting to at least the Elite Eight. No ifs, ands, or buts, and we're going to go down swinging if we do go out in the Elite Eight. It won't be another blowout like the first matchup. Just a night where Connecticut couldn't hit a shot. <laughs> few far and in between. All right, so I think we had a few with Oregon and Baylor. We had the far with Tennessee, and now the in-between was the South Carolina game. So that's it. All out. So this should be a highly competitive matchup. Again, this is a team that can win a national title. I'm just not expecting one. I see it as a Final Four at best team. But only time will tell. So until the next episode, guys, this has been the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast. Like always, I am your host. Jacob DeLawrence. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at underscore JDella. Give Believe a follow as well at Believe Podcast. Tweet me. Let me know. Hey, I like the new little format where you touch on bracketology, you touch on the rankings and everything. Or hey, what about who you got to interview? Give us a hint or something. You know, let me know. Tweet me. Like, share, subscribe. Whatever the appropriate means of support is for the preferred podcast platform that you that you subscribe or listen to this podcast on please do it leave a five-star review tell a friend to tell a friend and in case you forgot we are available on apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher 
And of course, you can always go to Believe.com, click on Shows. Right in that search bar, you'll see right below it, 217 plus shows. But in the search bar, just type Believe Yukon or just type Yukon. You'll pull up. You can hit play. You can listen to the show right there as well. Does not matter. We have podcasts. We will travel. Again, I'm your host, Jacob Lawrence. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Yukon Women's Basketball Podcast. We're back, baby. I was gone for a minute, but now we're back. Now, now we end this show, right? We blue. We're UConn. You're not. Sorry, not sorry. Last but definitely not least, in Gino we trust. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.